Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Well, if you have your Bibles ready today, we'll be continuing our verse-by-verse study as we just finished Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, now we'll begin Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Uh, that's our study today, so we'll be in verses 1 through 7 as we look at Paul the Apostle, prisoner for Christ Jesus, called minister by Jesus on the road to Damascus. The other thing that's going to be shared is the mystery revealed. We're going to learn about how the gospel was to go out to the Gentiles. Uh, it's a beautiful piece of scripture, so I just entitled this simply, The Minister and the Mystery Revealed. Here's the first half of this two-part study. And so today we're actually going to be looking at a mystery that's already been revealed to you in chapter 2. And that's the beauty of the Bible. You have the whole book. You know everything that's going to happen. So there's no excuse for us. I think for us, I think the biggest thing is that you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have the beginning and the end, and you know what's going to happen. The next thing for the church is the rapture. And are you ready for that? And, and so when we look at these things, these are, you know, theological uh, points that are put here, but they're very important. One of the things I want you to get from this, too, is I want you to understand that when we look at Paul's life, remember he was Saul of Tarsus. Saul was... was Man, he hated the Gentiles. He hated the church of, uh, of the way. He hated Jesus. Didn't like that he was, he was taking followers away from, from God. He didn't believe that he was the Messiah. And, and one of the things we see is that Paul shares that testimony in Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 11. It says, Indeed, I, my, I myself thought... I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem. And in many of the saints I shut up in prison, and having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them, often in the synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them, even to the foreign cities." You read about Paul's life, and, and as, as he was Saul of Tarsus, he was actually putting people to death, voting on their, their death sentence, making them blaspheme in the church, in the synagogues. And yet, he never believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He believed that Jesus came from, from an insignificant town of Nazareth. All right, so when we look at the second half of Paul's testimony... When he's Saul of Tarsus, he's going to get hit 
And, he, and, and the person that appears to him is Jesus. And he says in Acts chapter 26, verse 12, he says, While this occupied as I journeyed, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at the midday, O king, the, the road I, was, uh, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and the things which have yet uh, revealed to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles to whom now I send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and in the inheritance among those who are sanctified by the faith in me. A couple things that are really important that stood out to me. I've read that scripture I don't know how many times, and I don't know why I never called it that Jesus spoke to him in the Hebrew language. Because Paul was such a devoted Jew. And so what did he hit him with? Hebrew. He hit him with the thing that he loved the most. Wake up. I'm here. I am the Messiah, right? And he, and he delivers him, but he also gives him his calling. He calls him to be a minister. In, in verse 16. He's like, you have a purpose. You have, you, you've been called to ministry. And he was going to go and, and reveal the, the, the word of, of Christ to, to the Gentiles. And, and it's really important for us in verse 18, this is the purpose of the church. My job is to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does is He opens their eyes. He turns them from darkness to light. He turns them from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That's not my job. My job is to share the gospel. To make disciples. We don't have the power to bring somebody from darkness to light. That's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's God's job. Not yours. Sometimes you want to drag people to the light. And they're not ready. We have to be careful with that. Lord help me. You know, I... I as a young believer, I've done that. You're so like, and you're just, come on, you're coming to church. <laughs> right? When are you going to give, like, are you going to put your hand up? They keep asking for the prayer. Like, you're nudging them like, dude, let the Holy Spirit knock on their heart. Let God do the work. You, you've, you've invited them to church. They come to church. Let the Lord do the work from there. It's whether or not you choose to follow. I, I Man, I, I am not going to try to persuade somebody in a way that that makes them feel guilty that they have to do it because of me and so we have to be careful with that but Saul realized that now he has and this is, has to be hard because this man was a genius Paul was smart he was probably going to be the next chief priest smartest man in Jerusalem and yet some of the smartest people can be the dumbest what do I mean by that they miss the most obvious things. 
Because they're always trying to outthink God. It, 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 I mean, it's simple. You confess your sins. You believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You're His. Now follow Him. That's simple. But Paul believed that like, even though Paul knew the Scriptures, he knew them. He missed the Messiah. The religious missed the Messiah. So Saul of Tarsus will become Paul. And we know now that he's been called to ministry, to be a minister. But what happens is when we start, when we start trying to outthink God, that's when we start going into New Ageism, Gnosticism. We stop, start believing in meditation and all oh, crystals have certain powers. All that stuff. All that stuff is being taught online. We start believing that you can, uh, the physics or the metaphysics of heaven can be reached on earth like Bill Johnson and their church is trying to teach at Bethel, which is absolutely hogwash. It, it's, it's not, it, it, it can't be done. And yet they're writing books and they're putting stuff out and it's like the only thing you need is Jesus Christ. You don't need Jesus plus New Ageism or Jesus plus Spiritualism. Or Jesus plus this meditation in Hinduism is just Jesus. That's all you need. And we forget that. And so we see that, that this is the beauty of God. This man was persecuting the church. People were being put to death. They were being dragged out of their homes. They were being made to blaspheme and embarrassed in the synagogues. And who does God save? Saul of Tarsus. Now, if you were thinking about who am I going to save, this Saul wouldn't have been the one on the list. Because even when God, when, when he's told to go, hey, you need to go minister to Saul, and he's like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. do you know who Saul is? Like, do you know what Saul is doing? But it's a reminder to us that God saves. It's God that saves. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Paul's two favorite words in, in all the epistles that he wrote uh, in the New Testament were grace and peace. He used them over and over. And he's going to share with us today the mystery of Christ, but it's no mystery because we learned it last week as we found out that the gospel goes to the Gentiles, right? And this is the beauty of you having the Bible. You have the whole story. But we see now why he's called to be a minister. Who called Paul? Jesus. Jesus did. So a minister, uh, a minister from prison. Minister from prisoner. In verses one, through, 1 and 2 it says, For this reason. So when we see that first little part, for this reason, he's actually drawing us back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. And it says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you understand now why Paul wrote that? After reading his testimony and you go, but God, I was following the prince and the power of the air, yet I was religious. But God, God saved me by grace. And salvation is a gift that, that comes from God. It's not anything that we earn. 
we know that, that Paul, it says here, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you, the Gentiles. And so he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus, not a prisoner of the Roman guard. He's under house arrest. Uh, he's waiting trial by uh, by uh, waiting for trial by Caesar. And and it's funny because as Paul has gone up the chain of command to get to Rome, he's shared the gospel every time. He's given his testimony every time to talk about Jesus Christ. So Paul was able to freely roam the house during the daytime, but at nighttime Paul would be chained to a Roman guard. And every time that Paul was chained to a Roman guard, he would share the gospel. And the, and, and the Roman guards, the, the, uh, the guards of the kings were actually being saved. And he says, man, I'm, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul belonged to Jesus. If, if you are his follower, you belong to Christ. That's who, that's who you belong to. And, and Paul would use the terms a prisoner or a bondservant, or, 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 or he would use that term as a bondservant, as a slave, a slave for Christ. But he's, he's not implying that he's, he's suffering because of Rome. He's there because he's a prisoner of Christ. He's been ta taken captive by the Lord. And that should be us. We should be taken captive by the Lord. Paul was taken captive by the Lord because he was supposed to preach to the Gentiles. And that should be us as well. What is, what is your calling? What is that God, What has God put on your heart to do? You take that step of faith. And I always tell people it's not necessarily in the church. Sometimes your calling is outside the church, in the community. And I know pastors will always tell you, well, there's no unemployment in the kingdom of God. I don't care if you serve here or not. I do care if you serve. So if you serve the community, that's awesome too. If you're out doing food bank distribution or you're serving at the Divine Food Pantry or you're helping out with Mission Divine, praise God. You're helping out with BBS. Praise God. If that's the only time that you can help that one time a year, praise God. And, and, and I, I, we need to remember that. At the end of the day, God has, has given us each uh, a calling on our lives, but man, I... I don't want to pressure you where you got to be here every week. If, if that's what God has put on your heart to do, then praise God. But if you go, man, i got little ones. This is the time I can do it. Like my daughter. She's got three kids under six. So it's a lot. But she went and fed the Youth Alive group this week. And so did them. She gets to do it for that little bit of time once a month. Praise God. She's made relationships with those high school kids. She's going, I think, I go, we got another graduation we have to go to this week to go see Miss Bailey graduate, the president of the Youth Alive Club. We've been ministering them for, for the year, and we've been so blessed to be able to hang out with them. But, you know, you get in where you can. Where God puts you, that's where you go. That's where you go. You learn to serve in a church. That's where you learn to serve. And then you go out sometimes and serve. You can be a baseball coach. And you go, but that's not, that's not for the church. You, man, you're going to impact those kids' lives more. I'll never see them. You'll see them every week, a couple times a week. I, I, I think we've gotten it wrong in some, some instances. I think we put in so much emphasis on we need to serve 
this, doing this with the church, that we're forgetting the people outside the walls of the church. Okay? My job is to help, help you grow, to teach you how to, to love others and serve others, and you can serve others outside, outside the walls of the church. And have a, 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 just a, a wonderful impact for the kingdom of God. And so Paul here, is, he's, he's saying that, you know, that, that he was a prisoner for Christ Jesus. And, and, and I don't know how many of y'all have that little line there right after Gentiles. In some translations, you'll see it. So Paul, what that means is that he's stopping his thought. He was fixing to start praying. He was fixing to start going into Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and on, where he goes, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father. But he had something hit him that he, had to, he needed to write down. And so he stops and pauses and picks up in verse 2. He'll get back to the prayer in verse 14. But he's like, I need to make sure this gets put in here. He says, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me for you, and so one of the things we need to remember is, is Paul is making sure, like we've talked about this before. Paul has talked about this with the churches. Paul has planted all these churches. So this wouldn't have been a, um, a subject that they wouldn't have known about. They would have known about the Jew and the Gentile coming together. And they would have spent time in churches talking about it. Now that word dispensation actually in the Greek just means a steward or administrator, an overseer. But then we have to talk about dispensationalists. And this is where everybody, don't fall asleep on me. Okay? I'm going to try to make this as interesting as I can, but we have to talk about this. The dispensationalists actually interpret the Bible best with uh, the best hermeneutics. So that means they just look at the context of Scripture, and they don't try to add their own opinions or their own thoughts to it. They're taking what the author is given. For instance, and they also take it literal. So that means if you read in Revelation 20 about the thousand years of the millennial reign, they take that literal, a thousand years. What does it say? A thousand years. I'm that type of guy. Like, I don't want to overthink it. Like, I, you know, I come from the South. We're not bright in that capacity, so just keep it simple. That's how we are, right? But as dispensationalists, when we think about it, there's actually seven dispensations. He talks about the dispensation of grace, but there are seven with grace. So there, there's the seven dispensations or innocence in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 3, verse 7. That's before the fall. The conscience, the dispensation of conscience in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 8 and uh, through chapter 8, verse 22. The dispensation of human government. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, and that goes all the way to chapter 11, verse 32. The dispensation of the promise uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, when he promises uh, the covenant with Abraham, and all the way to Exodus 19, verses 25. We have the dispensation of law. I think I just... Uh, when we look back at human government and the dispensation of human government and the dispensation of law, we kind of talked about that this week. And when we're in Genesis chapter 9, because the law was actually in, implemented. So they were like, if you, if you kill somebody, uh, you're, you're going to be killed. That was the law that God, and who was going to implement that law? Humans. That's what he told Noah. If somebody takes a life, you're going to take their life. 
That's, that's the deal. That was the first law that was instituted. So you have the dispensation of the law, the dispensation of grace that we're going to talk about, and then the dispensation of the millennial kingdom, which is covered in Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6. Now, in those dispensations, what they're meant to do is they're, they're, uh, they, they are not paths of salvation. What they mean, they're just a theological term, which means this is how God relates to man. Okay? And how God has worked with people living in this dispensation. And so the pattern of it is this responsibility, failure, judgment, and grace to move on. And that's the one we're going to focus on because in verse 2 it talks about the dispensation of the grace of God. The reason why I gave you all those is you cannot go over dispensation without having all seven. You need to know they're there. So especially as you're reading the Old Testament, you'd understand that they're, they're in there. So the dispensation of grace is actually referred to as the church age. And, and it's as Jesus is building his church in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I also said to you that Peter, uh, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so we also know it, it begins at the uh, Pentecost. There are some arguments that say that it begins in Acts chapter 9 when Paul received the mystery. But we know that the mystery was already revealed because in Acts chapter 2, Luke already told us it was revealed. Right? So you just have to look at what the scripture gives you. It's very important. Uh, and so we see that uh, at the beginning of the Pentecost, we have the, the church is born, uh, the, the Holy Spirit uh, fills them and, and they're baptized and, and then um, the church is mentioned again. Uh, we will see that the next thing that happens for the church is the rapture, right? And, and so Jesus himself will have the rapture that happens. And then also the church is mentioned in Revelation 19 as returning with the Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming. So when we look at this and we talk about what this means for us, the body of Christ is born out of the grace of God. That's the dispensation of grace. It's the finished work of Christ. Who does the church belong to? Christ. We're his bride. He's coming back for his bride. Right? And, and so when we study scripture, it's to remember that it's God that always is in the business of saving people by grace. Right? And, and so... If we, if we take a look at it, the only person that ever achieved a perfect, sinless life and kept the law was Jesus Christ. You and me, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We cannot stand in front of a holy God in our own righteousness. It's important for us to understand that. If you think that you can go before a holy God and say, here's my works with your sin and you're going to get into heaven, it's not going to happen. You're saved by grace through faith. And, and, and it's a reminder to you, look, we, man, I, I, one of the things I always try to tell you, and I hope you all get this, is there is grace for the journey. You are going to fall flat on your face at some point in your walk. And you need to remember the dispensation of grace, that God's grace is there for you and He loves you. Don't forget that. 
Don't forget that. God has given you enough grace for the journey until you're in standing in front of him. And you don't need that grace no more because you're with the holy God. You're forgiven. You're his. You're covered by the blood of Christ. And let me tell you something. When you're flat on your face, there are going to be times when who picks you up? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And we need to remember that. You know, it's God's grace. It's God's grace that is, is, is the rule for the church. And it's, it's God's grace for benevolence and under, under the, those that are under-deserving. You may say, well, that, that person doesn't deserve grace. You have to give it. That's what the church does. You may go through it and, and, and understand that the God's grace is extended to the whole world. Well, that group of people doesn't deserve God's grace. They all do. Every one of them. Everyone, every person you encounter in your day deserves God's grace. We've been saved by grace. It's the same grace that supports us as we are going through sanctification. It's the same grace that teaches us. It's grace that teaches you. When you fall or you stumble, it's that grace that God has given you that teaches you. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 